Hi, I'm Ben Selinski. I'm a Webflow developer and UI UX designer. And welcome to the Great Design League podcast. <laughs> and right now, I am very happy to be back on the podcast. <laughs> it's been almost a year. Oh, I, I thought that was actually more than a year. Like it's, <laughs> it feels more. <laughs> it, I, I think that you're probably... Uh, like within my core group of friends that I like text on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we text each other frequently. <laughs> <laughs> and and so there's there's so much to catch people up on since August of last year with you. Oh yeah, yeah, like <laughs> definitely, you know, definitely feels like sometimes you you have. You have the things in life that like if you watch like if if you watch your calendar it's it's not much, but in your mind it's like months or years <laughs> i when I'm meeting somebody for the first time, it's so easy to like walk through a, a podcast, but when I have somebody on for the second time and I already know them so well there's a there's a part of me that goes, "Oh no, Emily, what are you gonna do like how are you gonna <laughs> <laughs> But I think it'll be fine. <laughs> so, uh, do you want to travel back in time and 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 talk about uh, your life from from August of last year? Sure, sure, we can. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, hopefully, I remember it. <laughs> so much happened. <laughs> but yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So, so thinking back on like. Uh, we just just last summer what what was that like for you mm, okay so last summer um last summer i was still in poland uh last summer i think um was like the first uh first time in poland but i may be wrong but i think it was first time in poland where um like the covid restrictions started to loosen up a bit um because like we were i remember those first days like like the first day that they lifted the covid restrictions and we were able to finally go back to our favorite cafe after like Please. months <laughs> it was it was like you you appreciate these things so much more after after such period you know like like the like the normal usual cafe breakfast that like daily you would just oh that's nice and that was like the best breakfast ever <laughs> you know, after that so yeah like that's pretty much how I remember like the summer last year it was just uh like catching up on some fresh post-covid air in between lockdowns probably um now now I'm in Ireland and hold the like the whole covid stuff seems so like far away um and pretty much like it's funny how people quickly adapted like to first like the covid stuff and covid rules and it's like it got to a point where everybody almost like felt um like felt weird to not have masks in places mm -hmm. and now here it feels weird to have masks in places again. So it's funny how it's, um, yeah, how people adapted quickly 
to all of that, although it was just, you know, like super, uh, super weird at times, but yeah. So th that's, that's the, like the main glimpses, I guess. <laughs> uh, were you able to like, I'm trying to think about back then. So like August into September, you were still working at your other, your, your old job, right? At Brightnet? Mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I left Brightnet at um, February. Uh, and I think August, I, will, I, I either worked there still full time or, or half time. I can't remember now. But I, I remember I made the transition uh, around, yeah, around September or October. That was the first time I registered my freelance business in Poland. So then I made the transition and I kind of moved towards four day work week. And that was a good move. <laughs> so, <laughs> I highly recommend it to anybody listening. Um, four day work week is good. <laughs> On many levels. So, yeah. I was, um, uh, I, I re-listened to our other episode um, back in the teens, and now I'm in the 50s, so <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I remember you saying something about, like, um, uh, hustle culture, and you were very concerned about it and that it was going to get worse. And now when I see the smile on your face about a four-day work week, I feel like this is very authentic. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it is. Like, I, I still have, um, like, strong opinions on hustle culture and on, like, um, type of content you typically see on, like, LinkedIn and Twitter. So, like, if if you want, we can, uh, we can probably talk a bit about it. But, yeah, uh, but yeah like, um, absolutely, the smile is genuine. Four-day work week works. <laughs> Like if if you're in if you're in in position to um, like to do it without compromising too much on like finances, career, and stuff like that, then I think it's absolutely a hundred percent worth it. So yeah, it's it just <laughs> it's a good thing. Like <laughs> I know at this point that even even if I um, if I don't have the four day work week, like permanently, um, I will try to find ways to have it back again at some point. Like I'm completely sure about it. <laughs> I remember um, uh, when I was freelancing or occasionally if I have a day off from work um, and it's like a, a weekday, sometimes when I go outside or I do an errand, I feel that same feeling that I had when you were a kid in school and your mom picked you up for a doctor's appointment and you're like, I don't have to be in school right now. <laughs> Everybody else is in school. <laughs> you feel that yeah. way? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a bit. Yeah, it's it um, almost feels like cheating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. It's, um, but it's probably, you know, it probably goes away after a while. But uh, but yeah, like I, I, I felt it definitely. And it's also like if it's during the week in some countries, you you have an easier access to things 
that you know you may you may not access during the weekend or are overcrowded during the weekend mm. so that's also that's also a good thing like for example um for example here like in Ireland and in the UK is the same that um like after like typically after work so after like 4 or 5 p.m. cafes are closed which is one of one of like the one of the big surprises for what? me because yeah yeah here just you know you go to the pub everything is closed so and then people you know start wondering oh why um why do we have like so many alcoholics in the society and it's like okay so like where can you go after 5 p.m during your week and typically the only answer is pub so you know so so having that extra day during the week is definitely helpful you know you can go to your cafes you can go to parks you can go to places other than pubs which is nice that's crazy like I I don't know why but I always expect coffee shops to be open all the time like Dunkin Donuts if I ever saw it closed I would be so confused <laughs> oh yeah yeah like basically in Dublin um I think donut places are open like pretty much 24/7 because like they they almost treat them as fast foods in a way oh. It's sort of, you know, you have a you have a night out, you're super hungry, everything's close, so the donut place will be open and it's 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 hot food, so it works. No, yeah. the, this sort of this sort of thinking. Um but but yeah, like uh, cafes, coffee shops, all closed. And we were used to have like three, four cafes in like pretty much every street in Poland and they will be open until like eight or nine. And this is just a normal thing to do. Um, and and here, yeah, it was it was a surprise. But yeah, many 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 surprises throughout this year. Like changing changing countries is a very interesting experience. Like you you don't know what what will surprise you, and you can't really prepare for it. It's a sort of you don't know what you don't know. You know. You know. <laughs> so I, I wanted to ask you. Um... With with your girlfriend Asia, uh, what was the feeling that you got you guys had when she applied for the job in Ireland, and what was the feeling when she actually got it? Because I'm I'm guessing that those mm -hmm. two experiences were different. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It was it was also very interesting because it wasn't what we expected at all. Um, like honestly, so first. Let's start with um, like when she started applying. So, uh, so basically, uh, she started feeling like you know like resentment about like her her um, current place in Poland. So first, she had like the date in mind that okay, so I'm going to apply for jobs abroad starting from somewhere yeah. um but then you know like she started just be feeling so disappointed about um about like the place she was in that we just we just have had a talk and 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 I said that but honestly like why 
like do we need that starting date like why you know why wait if you <laughs> like if you if you feel like it's it's you're forcing yourself then maybe just you know start now you like we have no we had no idea how long it may take how difficult it will be like to um handle it while being in Poland because mm. we had the idea in mind that it may be more difficult just you know like logistic wise uh so she started applying and it was um like at first it was just just you know not overthinking it just sort of okay I'll wait and see without much pressure um then the pressure came in after a few <laughs> interviews because you know like typical typical job hunt you you're being ghosted you have few interviews some go well some maybe not and then you start overthinking and you start thinking okay like can i do something more is there anything i'm doing wrong like mm-hmm. typical typical job application stuff um so so yeah it was a sort of bittersweet um but when she got the job i think that the first reaction was like everything so it it wasn't like it wasn't like the pure joy it was everything in between and each of those were super strong so it was um very um very joyful but it was also very um sort of like unexpected slash fearful that mm. you like sometimes you get that feeling that like you have a you have a base and you have some base you feel stable and now that base is gone so you feel unstable again because you have to create that base again mm. and yeah. so so it was like you know you realize stuff just like that in a glimpse um so it was everything in between like excitement fear um like a bit of anticipation so it was like okay okay you know what what are we going to do now it was just um yeah it was just everything honestly i i thought it would be like one emotion and then turning into <laughs> another emotion and you know like that but, but honestly like um honestly you feel many many things at the same time and it continues like throughout changing country or at least that was that was our experience uh i'm super interested like to um to talk with people who also switched countries about like their feelings um because Goodness. yeah probably probably everybody has it like has some things similarly and some things um differently but yeah super interesting like if i if i was to use one word to describe like this whole moving thing it would be interesting it's super <laughs> super interesting really um and it changes the way you think absolutely and and what field is she in uh she's a data scientist okay oh my I, but it must be really different for you to experience this supporting her kind of like outside and then her actually being the person that receives the yeah. acceptance was was there like a worry that 
for some reason she would be able to go and you would be stuck or was was there any concern about like uh the whole move treating you guys separately mm, no really like we um we had it figured out like previously um because i i had a talk with with the companies i i worked with that we we plan to do something like that and will they be okay if i like i work remotely anyway honestly but you know i wanted to make sure with the with them that they will be okay if i just work remotely not from poland but from ireland from now on um so like everybody was prepared um fortunately we are like we were coming from the eu country into another eu country and that was first time in my life i think i fully appreciated being <laughs> in the eu because it makes your life like so much easier uh, mm. we met friends who came to ireland two months ago from india and uh, all the paperwork the official stuff the visas all, all the hassle they had to go through compared to almost no hassle we had to go through yeah um it's it just totally different experience so so i appreciate being in the eu <laughs> uh wanted to mention that and, um, <laughs> um but yeah yeah it was it was fine honestly we we didn't have we didn't have much fears we had some issues here in ireland with you know having like a separate work situation but uh it's not anything super major so honestly if you're determined to do it and you you're in a position to do it and you can come from the eu country it's not that hard yeah yeah but finding finding a place to live is hard in ireland <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes it's <laughs> yeah yeah so um yeah we were we were chatting about it <laughs> as i remember um but yeah yeah so um island is a bit um well it's a it's a closed space right like you you can't just make island bigger <laughs> true <laughs> um although it's like it's like you have you have a few cities and they are not big and then you have vast like farmlands and and green areas where um you don't really have like much you know ur- urban areas or places to rent so everything is pretty much um settled like in those cities and there's a huge shortage of uh of flats so mm. anywhere where there is a shortage of flats you have travels yeah. um <laughs> and yeah yeah we were we were prepared that it's going to be hard but i think we didn't realize how hard because it's it's one of those things like you you come from place x and you are used to things being done in a certain way um and then suddenly you realize that you know like the place you you came has a completely different way to sort out the same things 
Um, and then you're like, okay, so what's, what's the deal here? Um, so yeah, in, just to give you an example. So in Poland, when you want to rent a flat, you, you obviously like you use an app for it. Um, you find your flats, you f- uh, then you contact the owner, then you come for reviewing. Then if you like the flat, if the owner likes you, you negotiate the price and ask, okay, are you happy? Yes. Are you happy? Yes. And it's done. It's like you sign the agreement and it's done. And it's literally like, it's done. Um, <laughs> deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it just, it's really straightforward. Um, <laughs> and you don't have any, which may be a bad thing. Like I'm not complaining yet um (laughs) um, so um it might like it might not be a bad thing but um we don't have in poland we don't have any sort of official registries or something like that Mm. so there's not like if you rent a place um like your owner doesn't have to um i don't know like upload your information to some governmental base because they want to make sure everything is good like none of it um (laughs) so so yeah in ireland you have to prepare um what i call the um (laughs) what i could the good citizen suitcase um (laughs) and the good citizen suitcase is you know like uh series of documents um providing proof that you're a good well-mannered person <laughs> who can pay his own bills and generally you know like um, not be a problem it, yeah yeah it's like <laughs> it's it's like those uh, you know linkedin recommendations but multiplied <laughs> um so yeah so you have to prepare all that stuff um uh, then you have to like spend absurd amount of time just uh, refreshing your apps because when somebody posts a flat in a nice area and i mean like not a great flat oh my god nine (laughs) out of ten just a normal flat in the normal area yeah um, not nothing fancy if somebody posts it now in ireland as a new ad so after an hour, probably this person will get like over a hundred responses. Oh so my. you have to be quick and you have to check your phone like constantly because otherwise you don't get a viewing. So it's not like you don't get the flat, you don't get the viewing of the flat. Um, so then you obviously like if you're lucky and you're quick, you respond quickly with your um, good citizen suitcase prepared, you know. <laughs> um, then you come to a viewing, and then um, and then uh, the owners or the agency uh, they pick, like they analyze all the candidates. So it's like it's like job applications, honestly. <laughs> you, you know. You're you're being ghosted. You fear that you won't find a place. It's it's like the same. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah, and then they 
if you're lucky, um, they they choose you, and then you have to pay the deposit, and then um, you better not ask too many questions because Irish people, <laughs> like I love Irish people. Don't like just to be straight. I love Irish people. I think they're amazing. They're uh, cheerful and nice, and you know, easygoing, lovely people. Um, but I noticed that, like, if you, like, ask too many questions about, like, legal stuff, for example, like, they get very, very scared. I, I don't know why, but there is, a, there is a thing about it. Um, so they get, they, they get very scared. Um, and that was just a cultural thing I wasn't prepared for. Because, like, we both used to uh, study law, so we graduated at law. And for me, it's just a normal thing to do. Like if I, if I have some sort of agreement and I agree to something, then I read it unless it's like the, I don't know, like some Google policy for 200 pages, then I'll probably skip it. But (laughs) (laughs) Apple terms and conditions. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, But yeah, so typically I read it and then I may have questions and, and these are like normal questions because it's, it's you know, for me, it's normal. It's like, okay, I want to be sure that we are both on the same page on yeah. what we agree upon, right? It's just normal. Yeah. Um, but sometimes I lose that instinct that for some people it may be, you know, um, it may cause some fears um so that that yeah that was just one surprise um with the whole rental thing but yeah anybody coming to Ireland now will have a hard time finding a place definitely oh my god so are there like a lot of people coming to Ireland recently that's causing this or it's just there's not enough places to live Mm, I think both honestly it's it's like people um people come frequently and it will probably continue. And also like the Brexit situation probably is causing mm. more people to come to Ireland because they would come to UK maybe, but then Brexit. So they come to the nearest English speaking country, which is Ireland. Um, and and yeah, so obviously like people come uh, and then the apartments don't come. <laughs> So, apartments so, don't build yeah. themselves yeah yeah exactly you know so that's <laughs> so that's the that's the that's the setup but but yeah fortunately we we found a nice place so we, can... we were texting like during this whole time but um what i want to ask you is uh what are kind of like interesting culture shock moments that you had <laughs> And then the other thing I wanted to ask you was like, did those occur like within like your first months? Because usually like the first time you interact with this social like culture okay. shock, it's usually like the first couple months that you're there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like, right now I'm two months in and I would say that culture shocks, like I wouldn't call them shocks yeah, because, uh, it's not like, you know, it's switching from one European country to another. And also hmm. like I was, I was many times in the UK. I was in Ireland once before. So it's not like it was totally new. Hmm. 
but I would call them culture surprises. There, <laughs> there, there were there were a lot of them, honestly. So I mentioned I mentioned one already, but um, I think the biggest surprise for me was that um, like when I think of Ireland, like I see this, you know, IT hub in Dublin, many big companies moving to Ireland. So it attracts a lot of, in, you know, income pouring in to Ireland. So you would think that, okay, if Ireland attracts like those big companies, then it would probably cause like spreading of the investments across like the infrastructure or mm. generally, you know, the areas in the country. Um, and in my mind, it doesn't happening. Um, so for example, like the public transport was a big surprise because um, let's say you want to have a night out in the city or you're visiting friends after work, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And you go from the south of the city to the north of the city. And then you need to go back and it's late. So typically your last bus or your last train will be 10.40, 11.20, and then nothing, you are screwed. <laughs> so, so that was a big surprise. Um, like compared to- What? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, um, you know, I thought that, okay, like in terms of infrastructure and logistics, transport, um, like governmental systems, IT, stuff like that, that it will be like Poland, but better. Um, <laughs> but it's sort of, you know, it, it mixed up. Um, so, so yeah, that was, that was like one culture shock and uh and yeah like if you if you're past 11 p.m you have the option to uh wait for god knows how long for like the night service and then that night service won't take you to your place probably so you would have to like walk <laughs> yeah so then you have to either like walk or change to another night service which may come or may not come it's like it's really really difficult um or you have to use the super expensive taxi um so so yeah that was a culture shock um i'm guessing well, there's no uber or no Lyft. there is no, no there is oh, uber. oh okay uh, yeah there is uber um but yeah other other culture shocks i think um I was very, very surprised how easily accessible the nature is around mm. Dublin because I, I had the idea in mind that, okay, so I'm going to the city. It's uh, it's not as big as Warsaw, but still, like, it's, it's a big city. It's the capital. Usually in the capitals, you get, you know, like, few parks, some nice areas on the outskirts, and that's it. While in Dublin, it's like pretty much from any place you can get to Cliff Wax within like 30, 40 minutes, maybe max. Wow. Um, sometimes less. And you have just 
beautiful, beautiful nature, like accessible like that. Um, it's daylight right now. We're recording this on May. So the daylight is until like after 9 p.m. What? Yeah, really. It's, it's like 9 p.m. <laughs> it's day. You can go, you can go do the, yeah, you can go do the full like two, three hours cliff walk after work. Um, and it's totally, you know, um, and you can enjoy the views throughout the whole walk. So it's, it's honestly, it's been such a surprise. Um, and the island is beautiful. Like anywhere you go, um, the grass is greener. Um, and it's just a beautiful country. Absolutely beautiful. Visit. Um, uh, when, so at least for Americans in movies that we watch, whenever there is a scene where, uh, the scene is in Mexico, for some reason, all American filmmakers put like an orange tint on the whole thing so that like the whole place <laughs> for some reason looks red or orange. And so that reminds me of the time that you were like, I just moved to this place and everything has color. Nothing is gray. This is so nice. <laughs> That's true. And it wasn't filtered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like we, uh, we landed, I think, in early March. And I remember like the day, the day uh, we had the flight from Poland, it was so gray. Like it was gray, rainy, windy. It was just like in Poland, you get those months where everything looks dead, like mm. no flowers, no leaves, no, it just like something, you know, sucks all the life out of Poland for four months or more. And then it's getting reborn and then it's dead again. It feels like that. It's very, you know, there, there's not much middle ground here. Yeah. Uh, and then we came here and it was like super green. So it was like having one or two months ahead versus where we were in Poland. So wow. it felt nice, like instantly. It's like going through from like the late winter to um, to late spring almost. It was wow. just, yeah, yeah it was. <laughs> It was nice. Um, so Poland really gave you guys like a, a proper farewell with the oh, bad yeah, weather. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And like the first breath, the 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 air quality is so good in Ireland. Like I um I talked to my friend who who has been living here for I think almost ten years and he was like, Oh really? It's, it's, it's like, you know, people here take it for granted mm -hmm. until like they travel to a place which has much worse air quality. Uh, and then when they come back and they breathe, it's like, oh, my God. No. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Yeah, that was that was a nice surprise. So uh, I could probably go on and on because like there's a list of of those. Um we have all the time in the world. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, it's it's very interesting. And you, I think, 
I will have these surprises for the next at least few months from now also. Yeah. So just yeah, they just they just come in. But it's nice, like as long as you're not too attached to things you used to have in your different country, you you should be fine. Because like most of the surprises are good. Some are maybe a bit annoying to you. But again, like if you're not overly focused on the ways yeah. of the past, you know, <laughs> then you, you should be good. I did want to ask, um, uh, so I understand like the rest of your family is in Poland. Yeah. Um, are they jealous of your nature walks and your your photos that you've been sharing? <laughs> um, they never use the word jealous. So I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, they they definitely agree that it's lovely. <laughs> so um, sometimes I taking taking them uh, on the walks with me. So yeah. um, you know, like I I I put the camera on. Uh, I start the call, and as long as the internet is okay, then we can do the like the one hour walk. And then Aww. I'm instead of showing my face, I'm showing the island. So that's, uh, so yeah, sometimes we do that. Uh, but yeah, they were, uh, they were really supportive and they were prepared for it. So, uh, so yeah, not sure if they're jealous, but they certainly, <laughs> they certainly think Island is, is, is beautiful, even from the photos. Yeah, I guess when I say jealous, I don't mean it with a negative way. I'm just yeah, like, oh, yeah, no, no. that's so nice. Even the pictures you send me, I'm like, I wish I was there today. <laughs> um, I I did want to tell you, uh, um, because one of my favorite people uh, is actually is I Irish, and he's the I I don't know him personally. I just think he's hilarious. He's the the CEO of Ryanair. Um, do you? Ah, know Michael O something. <laughs> wait, wait. I'm not I'm not sure about His the name, name but is... I yeah. Wait, wait. I, I pulled it up because I thought he was yeah. really funny. Michael O'Leary, yeah. Ah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> have you ever listened to, have you ever seen like quotes from him or anything uh, like that? No, but I heard from somebody that he's funny. So. <laughs> um, There was a whole bunch of stuff that I found about him. And apparently, like there were so many quotes that I, I pulled up because I think he's hilarious. Um, He said that like, when he was talking about passengers who forget their boarding passes, he said, we think that they should pay 60 euros for being stupid. <laughs> okay. He, he also said, if, <laughs> if drink sales are falling off, we get the pilots to engineer a bit of turbulence because that usually spikes sales. <laughs> <laughs> and he said that his ideal customer is someone with a pulse and a credit card. <laughs> Well, at least he's frank about it. <laughs> I just think he's hilarious. And while we were talking about Ireland, I was like, I can't not talk about Michael. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. One thing, because it's 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 connected. Uh, one thing I super appreciate about Irish people is that they have this wonderful thing that they um, they can make laugh about themselves and their own country and oh, this really? is super super amazing and <laughs> um there are i would say that there are countries that 
um, like don't have something like that. So like some countries tend to, you know, take themselves like super seriously or, you know, mm-hmm. an island is just like, you know, like having fun, having <laughs> jokes. Um, you have like, um, they have these poster posters on um, in buses and, you know, like train stations with um, like um, Irish slang, you know, like teaching you a few Irish words. Uh, and, and they just, you, you can feel that they don't take themselves too seriously. Uh, and I really, really appreciate it in people. Like usually when people can joke about themselves, uh, yeah. it's, it's, a really, it's a really, really good sign at least for me. Trying to think, do Americans do that? (laughs) Not, (laughs) probably about 50%. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, probably depends. Uh, Or or it may depend on the topic. Like, maybe, you know, you can joke about something, but you can't joke about, you know, something else. I don't know, like... um, do you have do you have like those I don't know like sensitive topics in America that or some sacred things that you can't say anything bad about or can't joke about it? Do you have some of those? Well, at least uh, growing up in in the U.S., uh, um, teachers at least when I was growing up, uh, like we weren't allowed to talk about politics or religion. Um, they were like off topic, and apparently I was talking to this one teacher, and she said. Um, if you have no idea what my views are, I am doing a good job. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> she said, that's not my job. I'm here to teach you about uh-huh. economics. <laughs> okay. But yeah, things are, things are really weird. Like, uh, um, at least growing up in, uh, like early 2000s, you're just, you just don't talk about certain things with people. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's when I uh, talked to, um, Lazar and and his friends uh it's it's weird because sometimes they'll have like super deep conversations about all of these like super personal stuff or like how they feel about things and I'm just on edge because I'm like we're not supposed to be doing this (laughs) (laughs) and they're totally relaxed and if they if they disagree about something they're just like oh whatever okay Mm -hmm. I just look around I'm like what is happening (laughs) yeah that's nice I mean it just um it's just nice when people have like when people can have conversations about something they completely disagree with yeah but it's not causing any frictions in terms of oh you think differently to me so you know i i may like like i don't change my views or my mood about certain people yeah like depending on you know like the, them having different views compared to my views um and in Ireland I think again like I'm super early so I may be totally wrong on this but um, my impression is that um like Irish people are super um like super respectful so mm. but they can joke about everything so they, you know, they, they just, they won't be rude, but they, <laughs> but it doesn't like you, you can't joke about 
you know like difficult stuff without being rude or without being disrespectful yeah um and it just it, it's just a great thing honestly so so yeah and people smile also oh one one thing i want to mention yeah um people it's probably you're used to it in the US, <laughs> but but for me it's not a new experience uh people smile so much like when you walk uh walk the street you know it's it's very easy to smile at someone and to get a smile back while in Poland like people never do it people never smile at each other when you Why? yeah yeah you look super surprised <laughs> um, uh, I'm not sure why like I have my theory but um but like generally in Poland you you walk the street and people will look at you but they won't smile at you like they will look either with a neutral look or with a sort of curious <laughs> suspicious a bit you know um this are but they they won't smile um and so so when we like go to to the western countries it always strikes me like when i just just by walking um walking the streets it's just so much more enjoyable um to just you know like look at people and interact with people because they don't have this attitude of being like reserved or not i don't know like not not comfortable or, or fearful a bit mm. like Pol- polish people and i think also people from central eastern europe are much more um reserved than uh than people from 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 the western countries and and yeah and i'm not even comparing to american people because you guys are all over the place uh, so. <laughs> but that is really weird i i think i remember telling you about the time i went to a eastern european grocery store it mm-hmm. it was in a like half russian half polish neighborhood and all of these like old grandmas were in the grocery store and i was so excited because i was like oh my gosh there's all of this kind of food and for some reason there's polish nutella i didn't know that was a thing mm-hmm. um there's all of this stuff and i was so excited and i was like really bubbly and if i was near the these grandmas i would smile at them and try to stay out of their way and stuff like just trying to be polite and these women just were staring at me they were and with no positive look on just ah, yeah just, that's that's the grandma <laughs> look yeah <laughs> and I was just like, "What's going on?" And then Lazar said, "I'll explain in the car. I don't. I can't do this right now." <laughs> and um, uh, when we when we were checking out, um, I I was putting my stuff in the, um, just like the checkout aisle, and I looked at the guy who was the cashier. And I said, "Oh, hi. I haven't said hi to you. I, I just put my stuff down on the on the table." And he just looked at me. He's like. You, you feel like you have to say hi to me and I was like smiling at him and, <laughs> and I was there with my uh, Ukrainian friend too and uh, she just looked at me and she's like I think you scared him <laughs> it's possible yeah it's possible you scared the grandmas <laughs> I didn't know you could scare somebody by smiling at them and trying to be polite yeah, oh yeah absolutely because people like in their minds it's like 
oh, why is she smiling at me? Like, is there something wrong with me? Like, why, you know, what does she want? You know, really? like, like people, honestly, yeah, absolutely. Like people, um, especially maybe older people, they have those, like, um, I would call them insecurities, but I, like, I'm not, I'm not sure if, if that's the right word for it, but um but yeah people sometimes are suspicious about you know because it just it's not something that they they used to right because again coming back to nobody smiling at you in Poland (laughs) you have you know American girl enters the shop uh and and you know you as a as a grandma there you just you walk your own neighborhood or your own city so nobody smiles at you and then you know suddenly some American girl smiles at you and she probably speaks a different language so oh my god what does she want how do you <laughs> communicate with her you know yeah <laughs> I don't know but I'm gonna try to go back a- another time um and then probably scare equal amount of grandmas but you know it's, it's harmless <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, there's so much going on with you and and even outside of the move, you're doing so much like work wise and you're telling me that there's so much that you're doing with your portfolio and all of this other stuff that's going on in your life. So it seems like there's like the cultural moving part of your life. And then there's also the working on your computer, working with projects, working on portfolio, everything. Yeah, that's true. Um, Actually, like this time, because... uh, also, like the whole topic of um, designers redesigning their portfolios is just like another two-hour conversation, probably in <laughs> itself. Um, but but this time I I approached it like completely differently because um, last time it was just a classic. Okay, oh, I I had a I had an old site. I need a new site, and it was just I hated the process, mm. and it was I think like the typical um, feeling that designer has that I I I have to be perfect, but I don't have the time to do it. I don't really want to do it, and then you're never satisfied because you want to be perfect mm. because it's your um, like it's the first thing that you want to like you want other people to look at work-wise so it's natural you want it to be like your best work and then it's kind of impossible also Mm. Um, so I think a lot of people get frustrated when redoing their portfolios their sites or whatever Um, and I think like this time I think it was my first like portfolio um, rebrand or re you know um, rebuild uh, that I I didn't hate the process. <laughs> um, Good. It was, yeah, it was, it was really enjoyable. I um, I wouldn't say that it was like just just a pure joy because it requires a lot of like work and dedication and if you want to do it properly then you have to do it in your own time and here in your own time I'd rather explore island than you know 
uh, but but yeah, but yeah, I did that. I plan to uh, I plan to post a series of posts on LinkedIn on how I approached like every step. Uh, but I think that it is possible to redo your portfolio and to actually like the process and not hate it all. It just um, <laughs> But it's it's a mix of having having a process for it, having some boundaries, and having um, expectations in the right place. Because I think that with client projects, especially if you if you did a lot of them before, you're used to um, having compromises. So mm-hmm. you like when you start a project, you you realize that. It probably won't be finished like 100% as you would love to because you have to cooperate with other people. You have to adjust. You have to iterate. And then you're much more prepared to hand off something that's not entirely what you expected, but it's still good. And it's easier for you to accept that. But with your own work, uh, you're your own client. You're the decision maker. You're the master, and then it's way harder to accept that um, it may be different, or it may not be perfect, or you know, like it may take longer. You may, I don't know, like burn out in between, <laughs> or or you may um, you may get the artist vibe and then work on something and then a week later realize that no i don't want to do this you know and then <laughs> then throw it away like it's it's possible so i think it's good to have the process uh to to just save your sanity and and experience the redesign in a good way because it's 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 possible uh, it sounds a lot like uh, paralysis by analysis. A bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, I'm not saying that you you should be like super methodical about it uh, because I, I also, I think career-wise, it's, it's good to have a sweet spot. So like it's, if you're get, like if you get too rigid about your process of, of doing things where and it may be also for client work or for your own work it doesn't matter but if you get too rigid then you like you ultimately you're risking that you become too attached to one way and it's also like okay projects are different clients are different websites are different industries are different so Mm -hmm. it's not like you can have like even if you have the most wonderful process in the world in between you still need to adapt mm-hmm. so if you go like one way too much it will harm you if you go the other way too much it will also harm you so i think it's it's good to have a balance and to find your sweet spot and it's and it's good that different people have different processes and it's like one process can work for um, for one designer, and the other process um, can work for other designer and can completely miss the first designer. And it doesn't mean that the 
one of those is bad. It just means that for for the way that your brain um, absorbs stuff that for different people, different processes are better. And it yeah. just, I think it's important to to find a good process that delivers good results, but it's also in tune with the way your brain works. And the same goes for choosing your tools, for example. Like people love Notion, but Notion isn't for like, just to get an example. Mm-hmm. But Notion isn't for everybody. Like some some people prefer to use something else and that's completely cool. It's It's more of choosing what you want to do and then playing around with the tool and seeing, okay, is that tool matching my way of thinking? And if yes, there's a high chance that you should use it like daily. Yeah. I don't know if you had the same experience with choosing your tools, but for me, it's just, um, there is this, this factor, you know, that's like, how does my brain, you know, is it in sync with how my brain works? Like, Yeah. I I think, I don't know. I The most recent tool that I started using that really clicked was Airtable. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it makes my life so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> and like, uh, I don't know, I guess the closest thing you could compare it to was like, Excel, um, uh, or, or sheets in Google. Um, but oh my gosh, Airtable is so beautiful. I started like, I started doing interviews with people and then putting all of the answers into the, the Airtable mm-hmm. form. And then it, it organized. Oh, it's, it's just, it makes me so happy in life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I that's recommend good... it to anyone. <laughs> That's a good feeling. Like when you when you discover um, the thing that clicks, then you just you know that you, a, a portion of your problems or frustrations is taken care of, and you know, like things you didn't enjoy, you suddenly like it because some people did the same things in a different way that's more approachable to you. Mm, yeah. So that they're solving the same problems, but in a way that it's more in tune with how your brain works or what you would like to do or to see in those apps. I mean, like you can think about like uh, Sketch and Figma and XD. Yeah, exactly. Totally different ways of approaching the same problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I also want to talk to you about um, you, you sent me your your website from your Joseph Berry course, if I remember. Ah, yeah. I I took that course too, and I was so impressed with what you made, <laughs> and the, the fact that you could like go through it. Cause I I have to admit, like halfway through the course, um, I I didn't have like a big monitor to do the dual screen thing. So mm-hmm. halfway through the course, I was like, I'm just gonna watch and like learn all of these things that he's doing, but I can't I can't keep up. But then you sent me your thing, and I was like, oh my gosh, so much time and troubleshooting must have gone into this. I'm so impressed. <laughs> Oh yeah, it, yeah, it did. But uh, I think that's the thing with me that, um, and it's I think it's it's good and bad at the same time because the thing I have with courses is that when I when I purchase a course, I want to 
like I never do it like halfway or half I don't have to do courses I either don't Mm. do them at all or if I do them I make sure okay I carve out my time to do the course yeah and then I will do it like 100% go through everything so yeah if that course like like Joseph's course um, consists of you know rebuilding things then I want to make sure that I actually rebuild them and not just not just watch them because it's a sort of learning by doing yeah Uh, so you you are able to absorb that stuff better and it's also uh, I think that the the most value you get isn't that you you rebuild a good site I mean it's it's super cool okay fair enough Uh, you've just rebuilt an award-winning site so cool Um, (laughs) cool Uh, (laughs) but I think the 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 most valuable part is that you you pick up the systems, you pick up how how somebody else works, um, and you know, like I, I ended up with a huge Notion page of really? just notes. Yeah, I, I I just I used to stop stop the videos and take notes, and okay, okay, that's the tip for this, that's the tip for that. And I have this huge, huge notion page of just notes through throughout different lessons. Um, and and it just it stays with you, you know, like the website will be okay, you do it, it's done. But the tips and the strategies and the systems, like they they will stay with you. And uh, if a course is good, it's likely to change the way of of how you build things. Like it. Uh, I don't think I would do my new website the same way if I didn't, um, if I haven't done the course before mm-hmm. that. So, so that's for me, like, is the biggest value. And, um, but you're unable to do it if you just, you know, flick through the course yeah. quickly. Um, so, yeah, it, it took a long time, but uh, but it was worth it. So um, so I also think it's good to be particular about the courses you choose because there are so many of them and you won't have much time if you do the client work frequently. So I think it's important to, you know, like be be particular. Like we probably all bought a lot of courses and finished a few. I think it's... <laughs> Um, it needs to be said because uh, it's again it's it's a sort of I would love to see more um, social media posts about it that hey I also bought these you know 30 courses and finished three you know like don't feel bad Um, so yeah so yeah it's just I think everybody did that honestly I think I definitely have a few like Udemy regrets. <laughs> yeah. It's like throw the first stone if you don't have those Udemy courses. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. That's a good phrase. <laughs> oh my goodness. But yeah, so like what other courses that I took that actually that that really meant a lot were the Joseph Berry course, um, and I'm also in the middle of the Rancigal six-figure freelancer course, 
Um, and I took a copywriting course. Did, did you ever get a message back about that? The, the copywriting course? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So what we're talking about, for anybody who doesn't know, um, I, uh, I had this, like, nightmare situation one time a, a while ago with, with a, a client who wouldn't give me the content for their website, and uh, it was a really long, drawn-out process, and then the project was ended because the client didn't want to give me the content for their website, which is very frustrating after you design and develop the whole site. But other than that, I, I was like, okay, I don't know much about content or writing, copywriting or anything like that. So f somehow during that time period, these two copywriters came up to me and said, hey, can we come on your podcast and can we give you free access to our course? And I was just like, where did you come, you come from? <laughs> How Good does timing. this work? <laughs> And then I took the course. I got so much out of it. I was texting Ben about it like the whole time, <laughs> sending him That's screenshots true. and stuff. <laughs> and then um, uh, I think that uh, the uh, Matt, who is one of the guys who made the course, posted this thing on LinkedIn, and I follow him. And he said, "Hey, we're giving away uh, ten free seats uh, to our course, like to get more people, I guess, interested in it or or testimonials or something like that." And I texted Ben. I was like, "Dude." <laughs> That's Text true. Him. Thanks, Matt. I will get to the course. I promise. <laughs> this one, I promise, will not be a Udemy regret. <laughs> nah, it won't be. <laughs> but but yeah, that that was really really helpful. And I actually, uh, when you were talking about process and what works and and what doesn't and all the kind of stuff, and it's really hard because. There's all of these different industries and they all do things differently. And I'm like, can I have a process that actually like is pretty flexible with all these different industries? And then I took the Rand Seagal course and it was a lot about niching and, and picking a, a industry and sticking with that industry and building relationship with people there, getting recommendations because they all know each other. Um, and I was sitting there and I usually watch Rand's courses while I'm doing my laundry. <laughs> Good use of time. <laughs> That's an interesting way of watching it. <laughs> yeah, I just I just set him up like a TV and listen to him while I fold shirts or whatever. And does he um, know about it? He might now. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, I I came up with this an idea. Uh, I was like, hey, I'm going part time at my day job. Um, what if I use some of this free time that I've put for myself to do a whole bunch of um, interviews with people in like, I'll choose one industry a month and I'll do a whole bunch of interviews with this whole process and then create a clonable at the end so that I understand uh, all of the stuff about this industry. And just, I started making a list of all of the people that I knew who I was friends with on LinkedIn, who would like me enough to talk to me for an hour. <laughs> and then I started grouping them by industry. I'm like, well, I know three people in banking. I know, all these people in real estate. And so I actually just started the first round of interviews with architects. And um, it's it's pretty fun. And I went through all the questions and I'm constantly workshopping it and changing the way that I'm phrasing the questions, taking out questions that are kind of irrelevant. And um, I got to say, I started writing the headlines and the copy and all that kind of stuff. And all of my information was taken from their... Um, answers and I pretty much have almost all of the content ready in a day 
And I think it sounds really good. <laughs> so shout That's out amazing. to Matt <laughs> and Damien <laughs> from rightsite.com or .co, rightsite.co. <laughs> yeah, getting the content is always, um, I, I, I think like if you, if you ask web designers about like the most frustrating parts of the projects or the parts of the projects where it can go wrong that yeah. many of them will instantly say that content, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think it just, uh, sometimes it's not only the, the client's fault because like we have to remember that like if we are not content writers ourselves, it doesn't mean that the client will be a content writer. So it's mm -hmm. hard for us, but it's hard for them as well. So um, I think that whether you're doing the content or clients does the content, it's yeah. important to like be as precise as you can about it in terms of what goes where, how long it should be, mm -hmm. ideally in like, okay, this should have like max these characters and this should be about this and this. And if mm -hmm. you, I, I feel that if you, onboard clients early and you can mm, like walk through all your content like that so they so that like they they don't feel like they have to just create this content out, out of the blue because mm -hmm. you literally just said okay so this is the paragraph about this and i need this to be that long yeah so this way it's easier usually to um to get that content even if you're not a copywriter, because um, you know, like not, not everybody needs to needs to probably be a copywriter. Um, like it definitely helps if you if you can do it. Um, but I also think like they, they, there are ways to um, to narrow it down to to minimize your risk of again like your client taking way too much. Uh, too much time to come up with the content. I think that the more precise you can be about what goes where, the better for everybody else. Yeah, it, it's it's a little overwhelming. I think if it is. everything's put together and then you just say, "Okay, I'm ready for this paragraph," and they're like, "I don't know anything about websites. I don't want to say the wrong <laughs> thing." Paralysis by analysis, and then you just and then it's just I can't do this. It's too much. <laughs> yeah it's sometimes you know um also with content you can you can probably again like depends on your process you can go step by step probably so some people do wireframing and like lock all the content first mm. so then content wise it's probably easier because you you don't think visually and then you you lock in the content wise you, you can do it in batches so it's like you know, you don't have to send your client 10 pages of content. You may send them two pages first. Yeah. It's like, it's, you know, it's, it's flexible. Um, but I think that the, the most important thing is that your client should be aware of, um, of, of the process of his, like if it's his responsibility, you should be aware that it's his responsibility. Yeah. Um, 
and just you know provide as much guidance as you can and and it's it will feel less overwhelming for them and they will feel more prepared to do so um and it's also like i have this i have this mixed feelings about both me being a copywriter and me niching down because i think that ultimately i want i will never know as much as my client about the company about the industry like okay i can do a good research i can ask a lot of good questions so i can get a good view and i can um, like knowing what types of content goes into the modern web design i can produce something that is probably good or or a good fit content wise Mm -hmm. um but i will never know more about the thing or about the industry than my client because it's ultimately his company and his business yeah um so i'm i'm more towards that the content should be something that you're always working together so you you know, like you, it's definitely helpful if you don't just put lorem ipsums. So it's helpful if you can, for example, like write the version one of your content and then uh, ask, okay, do you think that it's, you know, like, did I say it correctly? Because like, do I understand it business-wise? Or, you know, like, do you think that we should add anything again, like business-wise which I may have missed because you may have a wonderful process, but there's always a risk that you may miss something or you just won't understand the industry as much mm-hmm. as your client does because it's just, it's impossible to for you to know as much about it as, as your client does. Yeah, that's a really good point for, um... I don't know. Some, it, sometimes it does really feel limiting to uh, decide this is the industry that I'm going to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I always like was felt super uncomfortable about it. And then when I was listening to Rand talk about it, it sounded a bit like, um, "Hey, if you don't have an edge yet, if you don't have a way mm-hmm. in or something like that, here's an option." And I was like, "Okay, maybe I'll just take this and." Uh, um, focus on one industry per month and then if there's one that I really like maybe I'll stick with that but if not there's these three people now that know that I can make a website and I know a bit about their industry and I was even talking with one and he kind of just looked at me at the end of the the interview and he just said hey our firm was thinking about redoing our site and it was just a little bit of silence and I said well, I can send you this this template when I'm done with it and you can let me know what you think. And he just looked at me and he was like, yeah, I'll get back to you on that. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so who I, knows? <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good way to test, to test out if you, like, if you like a particular industry. I think it's a wise thing to do um, if you want to, you know, like, start with industry X, then move to Y and kind of see, you know, what clicks. 
Um, but yeah, like I think that niching down definitely makes sense business-wise because your knowledge about the industry grows and it will be like you will get more knowledgeable about it than designers who don't niche down. Like this is a hundred percent. And then like, it's easier to, it's easier to get projects this way because clients in industry X will trust more um, if they see the designer having experience in their industry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, on the flip side, there is a risk that you may, you may just maybe not get burned out, but you know, after the while you may feel like you're doing the same things over and over and over again. So yeah. I think it's not for everybody. I think it's, it, it depends on, on the type of personality. Like if you're, um, if you're the type who loves like doing, doing the good work and just, you know, repeating, 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 and, and you, like you like feeling comfortable. It's a sort of, you know, because some people, um, some people need to um, need to do something for a long time to really feel like like a comfortable professional mm-hmm. um, in the particular thing, and then I think niching down is perfect. Um, but you know, on the other hand, like there are people who um, who just need you know diversity. Yeah. Or they may get bored easily or quickly, or you know they just they just you know and for such people there is a risk that you you will stop enjoying it after a while because it will become too repetitive. Yeah. Um, and I think that niching down ultimately always ends up with being repetitive. Like you can't escape it. I think. Yeah. Um, if you can escape it, somebody there let let me know how. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I think you just, you know, it's, it's a good idea to test it out. Um, and you just, as everything you, you need to discover what works for you. It's, but I don't think it's for everybody. I agree. It's, it's a great option business-wise, definitely. And it may be easier this way. Um, but I don't think it's for everybody. Mm-hmm. When I was finishing up one of my uh, architect interviews at the end, I was talking about like what I was going to do with his answers and everything like that. And he looked at me and he said, okay, the, the next one that you need, and he was like all excited. He said, the next one that you need to do, you need to do something like totally different than this, like do a restaurant's website or something like that. And I said, <laughs> I have the freedom to do that. Okay. And I just wrote down restaurant next. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just so cool um and I I feel like it teaches you a lot about um business at least the questions that I have in my little questionnaire are, are things like um okay so uh, how does your website solve the problems that this person is coming to you with and the um the questions are are pretty vague um, and they don't always apply to every person. Like they might say, okay, we don't have any statistics that uh, can tell you that we're a good option. It's just, that's not how our business is set up. But I think it's kind of cool to take these same questions and workshop them with different industries. Cause I feel like 
at the end of the day, a lot of things, even from an architecture questionnaire, um, can still apply with a, I don't know, a Latin restaurant or something like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I agree. I think it's a, um, I also find it fascinating how you can, how much you can learn about the business from being a web designer and just having conversations with business owners. Um, and I think that many of them are actually surprised to, to, to sometimes have these questions because it's like, you know, they, they, like they come for a website, right? So they would expect like questions about the website itself rather than their business. So um, it's a sort of, you know, like imagine you, you want to, um, you want to have new furniture in your apartment and then you, uh, you want to have it custom. So you reach out to someone and that person won't ask you about probably your goals a year <laughs> from now, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> so, what is the ethos behind these chairs? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, so I think it's 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 fascinating, but um, people usually react like positively because, like, the moment they feel that, um, like, they they see that these questions, like, they lead to solutions it's not like you're asking just because you're curious but you're asking to deliver a better product to them yeah um so it's it's a sort of you know like the, the conversation quickly moves from just you know delivering a website to delivering a solution and that's way more valuable for both of you yeah um and and yeah, I agree. It's a fascinating, great way of uh, like learning about different businesses and the struggles people go through, um, and just you know, like generally your your uh, non-design knowledge <laughs> becomes bigger, and your you know life awareness um, <laughs> becomes bigger after that, and. Uh, and I feel it's it's a huge privilege um, that that we can have by being web designers because I feel that most um, most jobs um, like don't go outside their um, their field that much as web design yeah. because web design always spreads um, across like different industries and then you pick up things um and it just yeah it's a it's it's making this job more interesting i think um and more sustainable probably for designers because you never get like 110 percent of the same thing because even in the same this industries like it may contradict what i said but even in the same industries um you have different companies and okay they may have the same struggles or very similar struggles but there will always be something different you will pick up from person a person b you know um 
So so yeah, I think I agree. It's a it's a good thing. Um, and it's making this job really more interesting because of it. I can even uh, feel that from the the two people that I interviewed so far, and I have another one next week. I think my favorite question out of that line is like, um, what is your industry known for that people are skeptical of? <laughs> or like, is there anything? That's an interesting one. <laughs> and then the question right after that is like, are there any guarantees that you can give this person to alleviate them of their skepticism? And I won't say who said this, but like one person responded, he's like, um, they're very worried about, um, uh, architects having a diva mentality and not caring about budget and only caring about <laughs> design. <laughs> I think that's a worry with um, many creative businesses. I, I think it's universal, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> it was very funny. He was explaining it and he was like giving more, more and more detail. And then, he, then I said, so you're saying like a diva mentality. And he looked at me like eyes wide open. He said, yes. <laughs> and it was very funny. Or like, um, like what things are people worried about? And, and there were a bunch of questions that were said. And then at the end, he's like, you know, it felt really good to say that to actually like think about what I do rather than just like mm -hmm. um, putting all the projects on a site so somebody can find them. And I'm like, oh. Okay, then I feel like maybe this is doing the right thing. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 like you're giving the you're giving other people opportunity to reflect on their own business, honestly. So it's not only like the like whether you're doing this on a strategy session or something like that, but um, like for them, it's not only probably providing you with the context, but it's also um, a way of having like having suddenly a deep conversation about about the things you know and once they also once you write it down uh sometimes it's also like oh you know like oh i haven't thought of it i haven't oh you know like people <laughs> people can have these you know these little surprises uh when you ask those questions like like it's a sort of rediscovery things sometimes um and and yeah it's it just usually it's it's very beneficial for for both ways honestly but i love that uh, i love that diva <laughs> what was it diva diva mentality yeah 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 yeah. So they're oh, concerned about a diva. Men <laughs> they're concerned about a diva mentality that's going to take all of their money. <laughs> yeah, and and just you know, put your artist mark on the work. You know? Have yeah. your fancy, fancy letter, fancy signature, <laughs> things. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I. I it was really funny that like after after all the questions like it, it, it we started becoming super relaxed and like they started making jokes and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. I'm like, this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> but um I don't know. There's there's just like so many different ways to go about it. But I think it is really cool because um what you were saying is completely right of uh uh I don't know, I'm just I don't feel like there's as much of a chance for me to be bored um doing the same thing over and over again um 
there's I, I almost real it's almost like um there's not enough web designers out there so <laughs> there's almost like an infinite amount of projects to work on um and so the cool thing is like there's an element of surprise of like i have no idea what i'm going to be working on a year from now so i just hope that i'll show up with all of my tools and try to do the best job i can <laughs> yeah absolutely it's you know it's it's i think it's possible that few years from now we may work as like we may have jobs that don't exist yet because if you look back ux design is a fairly new job honestly like okay the term is established now and everybody suddenly need, need ux designers but <laughs> uh it's not the like there are many people who um, who are UX designers, but they started doing design way before UX design was a thing, actually. Mm -hmm. So it's totally possible that in five, ten years from now, we can have different jobs that we, we don't know of yet. So, yeah, it's, it's fun. It, it's a part, you know, it's really fun because... Uh, if I if I didn't do that switch from from law to to UX design, I would probably feel like oh, I'm going to have like I would know what job I will have until like the retirement probably. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and th there's not um, there's not much you can be surprised about in an industry like that because you're yeah. like you will get comfortable probably quicker than it because it's it's a thing like i'm not sure if uh if you agree with me but i think it's it's very hard in it to feel 100 percent comfortable about um about your work about your way of working about your experience even if you're experienced because of the pace and of the of how quickly it changes and that's also probably why um the imposter syndrome is probably so much worse in it than in other industries just because of um because of how harder it is for you to to, to be comfortable in your skin in that industry like do you also feel the same thinking about your situation your prior situation of law like that's a industry that's completely based on precedence <laughs> and and history and um uh like it, i i feel like there's new things happening all the time but like uh i don't know defendants and plaintiffs like th those terms aren't going to change <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah but yeah i feel like there's a lot to keep up on um but i think that there's something really cool about um if you're constantly learning stuff you're always gonna kind of be ahead if you're constantly trying to try stuff out and you're not like well this is the way i've always done it mm, so yeah. i'm gonna keep but i don't know there's definitely there's always a person to compare yourself to when it comes to your animation skills. 
And then there's like, I don't know, do I name things correctly? <laughs> Am I using the FinSuite naming structure? I don't know. Maybe I'm not as good as that as I could be. Like, I don't know. I, I think there's there's so much more room to have fun and, and yeah. uh, do more stuff and have things be interesting to you. But at the same time, like, you're, you're never going to be like where you think that you could be because that where you could be is always going to be moving ahead. That's kind of yeah. how I think about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree. It's uh, you will never catch it. Yeah. Like you can work like nonstop, sacrifice your life, sacrifice your health, and you still won't catch it. It just, it moves too quickly. You will though catch what you were aspiring to be like a year ago. It's just not oh, going to yeah, seem as yeah. special. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, um, uh, maybe to have the website analogy. Um, I have like, like I have this, I had this attitude for my website now that like from day one, I like having the previous experience, um, <laughs> I said to myself, okay, I want this website to be like the, the best work I can do right now, but I'm okay with it not being 100% how I want it to be. Because it, it won't be. Like, mm. let's be honest, it won't be. Um, or it will be initially, and it will stop being it in a few months. You know, it's normal. Um, but I said, okay, but I try to make it as close to 100 as possible. Like, you know, there is a huge difference between, like, I would say that for your own personal website, like, of course, for everybody, that 100% will mean different things, different stages of their career. So you shouldn't, like, compare yourself to anybody because, again, like, that definition of your hundred percent will be different. Yeah. But it's it's easy to produce a website which will be like sixty percent there. Mm -hmm. But it's way harder to produce a website that will be ninety five percent there. Mm -hmm. And then all the struggle happens in between <laughs> the sixty and the ninety five. <laughs> uh, so so yeah, I just think it's 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 not worth it for your uh for your sanity to <laughs> to just like overstress about it uh, being you know oh i have to make it 100% or 110 but you know if you can if you can do a good work and push it past that 60% and you know like make it consistently higher uh then i think you know, you, you can be totally okay with being like satisfied from your work and acknowledge also that your portfolio will always be um, ahead of the work you're showcasing. Always, yeah. even if you're experienced, it will always be. You, it's like, you know, you, you want to design your portfolio and then you you just... You want to have the better assets. <laughs> like you want it so much, but you know, like even probably, I don't know, like 
three years from now or whatever. Yeah. Uh, or I don't know, maybe a year from now. I don't know. But when I will probably be doing another website <laughs> at some point, I'll, I'll still like I will have the same feelings that, oh, I would want to, you know, like um, have the current, current work. Uh, and have like so much of it that I can you know that the portfolio would stop being ahead of the work I'm showcasing Mm, but I I think it's the universal thing and also it would help um, it would help all of us to to acknowledge it and to accept it because I think um, we rarely think about it but it's easy to get frustrated with it Mm-hmm. sometimes um what you're talking about it uh i feel that way in like other parts of my life and i catch myself thinking that way and i'm kind of um confused why i'm like talking to myself like this so like um it's like an all or nothing thing like sometimes you may say uh, I want my new portfolio done by this date, or like I have this, I'm planning on working on it in these couple of weeks. And if you deliver it to yourself, like two weeks after that time frame, sometimes that can feel horrible. Do you mm-hmm. ever feel that yeah. way? <laughs> I do. Um, and that's partly why I stopped time framing my life as 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 often as I could stop it. Um, I also used to have the, these time frames about, oh, I'm going to move, move out from Poland, you know, in like eight months from now. And uh, then like the anticipation and the, the pressure builds up because, mm. oh, you have less time and you have this deadline, which is just a number. <laughs> but you it's so easy to to just over focus on it um and just like lose the big picture in it um but yeah i can relate to that but um i think that i heard i'm not sure it maybe it was on your podcast actually um <laughs> i ha- um i heard uh matthias cordes uh shout out matthias maybe. um <laughs> um talking about like him like he's uh, like he uh he said that he prefers to have directions rather than have goals mm. and i'm totally the same uh like i i used to just you know like have task lists for everything have the like goals with deadlines and and this you know the huge systems and and I usually ended up feeling bad about myself because there is also a tendency to be overly positive about your ability to do it all so it's a huge risk that you just um that your day date will be too early that your list will be too long so you know, like it, it will happen probably. Um, and then it's very hard to um, to feel good and feel relaxed about it. Um, and I think it just adds up 
many times it adds up an unnecessary pressure. And if you have directions, typically like you, you don't really need to think much about the things you really want to do. Um, in a way that, for example, I, I like to give something a four weeks test. So if I like, and it's in life in general, it's not just work. Um, but for example, um, oh, a drum set, brilliant example. So, uh, so I had the idea that, oh, maybe I will learn uh, to play drums. Because I, um, I've been playing guitar for a long time and uh, I always wanted to pick up on playing drums, but, but it was like, I've never wanted it like badly, but it was just something, oh, I may do it in the future. Uh, so I thought about, oh, maybe, maybe I should do it. Um, and the four week test is that, okay, if after four weeks, I will still be thinking about it, like in the back of my head, or it will be coming up, then I'll probably should do it. If it stays, uh, like it doesn't have to be four weeks, but if something stays in your mind for long, then you probably have this inner <laughs> feeling that, okay, I want to try this. I want to do this. Yeah. Um, and yeah, in that case, it didn't stay. <laughs> so I don't have the drums yet. <laughs> I gotta be, I gotta be honest, probably your neighbor, like you live in an apartment building, right? Yeah. Yeah, your neighbors are probably like, oh, thank God. <laughs> he didn't get the drum set. <laughs> I did, didn't share it with him. <laughs> but yeah, But are you um, worried about making impulsive decisions? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, not really, I would say, um, because like an impulsive decision, um, ah, that's a, that's a good one because uh, <laughs> like, first of all, I think that many impulsive decisions are actually positive in terms of giving you the quick answer because you just tried something. So mm -hmm. it's easier to try something if you don't like think about something too much and you just try it and then you have the feedback and you, either way you learn something about trying, after trying it. Um, but uh, I would say I like, I don't make, like I very rarely make rushed decisions. So, mm -hmm. um, so in a way, if impulsive equals rushed, then I would say like, don't do much rushed decisions, like at least for important stuff. If that's like, you know, should I, should I bring my umbrella? Um, <laughs> then, you know, like, you're going to get wet or get cold, but you, you, you know, it's, you live, so, you live, <laughs> be good. Um, so yeah, I generally, I try to avoid making crash decisions, but I also avoid, um, overthinking or delaying decisions. So yeah. I think that, um, delaying this, like delaying decision-making stuff 
is is also like bad for for your mental health, for your productivity. Um, it makes you more scared probably to try things out because like it can grow to a to this big topic because oh like you you will start thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it and okay like what are the pros what are the cons i very rarely do the pros cons thing yeah like okay like this is uh, like i don't know it, it just it's just not for me um so yeah i would say that again like um uh, going back to the directions goals thing I believe in having directions. I believe that you don't need to think too much. But on the other hand, I want to avoid like being too rushed about doing things. It's like, again, it's it's like finding your sweet spot somewhere in the middle of all this. But, but again, I think it's... Um, different people will have a different view and it's important to to listen to to what works for you because um people who people who are more spontaneous would probably be better suited to have these um quick quick <laughs> moves quick decisions and it won't affect them that much as people who are less spontaneous so ultimately I think you have to adapt to yourself. Yeah. I'm I'm definitely one of those kids that growing up uh you would look at the you would look at the test and then you would at first know the right answer and then you would stare at it for about 10 minutes and then choose and the then wrong you answer. Change it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was me and I, and my friends that were like more spontaneous or more like okay with making quick decisions, they would mm -hmm. get the answers right. I'm, I studied longer than you <laughs> and I got the answer wrong. Yeah, but that was that was actually a good lesson back then because I remember doing these tests as well. And um, uh, I obviously like I used to do the same thing that you just <laughs> mentioned. Um, and then I was like, okay, so there is a lesson in it. So what it means is that Usually, I think that the question is much deeper or more elaborate <laughs> than I thought. Yeah. While it's usually probably just simpler. So I started to, uh, so I started to like answer those questions in like, okay, so my first answer is this. And then I was like, okay, so um, it may be that the question is, like more about this or that and then I was like no but there was those like 15 tests I got it wrong so it's probably not that and then I would leave it and I had better results <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of funny that um uh so often I won't trust myself to make a decision in my life or um answer a question a certain way um, and I will need to go to a whole bunch of my friends um, or family and say, what do you think? And until I get like three people saying, Emily, obviously this is the right decision. Just go ahead and do it. My, for some reason, like I don't trust myself to make that decision without talking to other people. 
even though I know it's the right decision. I don't know why I do that. Do you ever mm -hmm. do that? Sometimes, yes. Um, like, I, I think it's a, it's a natural tendency to have. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, um, like, do you, do you feel like you need, like, do you, do you feel like you always need to know if it's the right decision to make a decision? Yeah. Like, can it be <laughs> just decision or not? I think there are some situations where it, you're never going to choose the right decision because there's always cons to everything. Mm -hmm. So I think but it's just... But in your like, mind, like, does it have to be the right decision to make a decision? I think probably in some instances, that's how I feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a hard one. Um, I Because I... I try to look at it like at, you know, uh, asking somebody for advice. Uh, I try to be methodical about it. Uh, so usually like when you have, you have some topic, let's say you want to, hmm, like, let, let's just use some super simple example. Okay. Let, let's go back to the drums. <laughs> So let's say, okay, so I need to make a decision. Do I buy the drum set or, or no? And which drum set do I buy? So mm -hmm. I won't ask anybody who doesn't play drums about mm. it. Just yeah. because like, you know, so, so it's not like, um, like if I have the decision to make and I'm unsure and I want to get some, external opinions um like i would like to get it from people who like really do it or really know their stuff about it so that it's like they're giving me like informed feedback and not just impressions because i i think it's important that you don't make um like if you want to make your decisions based on somebody else's advice that advice should better be good and informed <laughs> because it's, yeah. it's like you know what's the point if you you know if you ask me hey ben what should i do about x and i have no idea about x then like i should say i don't know i'm not a good person to to, to say it to you you know <laughs> you should ask i don't know michael who is <laughs> You know, who's doing X, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's how I generally want to approach it. So um, I don't mind like asking asking uh, people about advice, and I um, I would say I often do it probably, um, but I I'm always thinking, okay, is this the right person to ask for a, for the advice about that? And it's mm -hmm. not. It's not a personal thing. So it's not like, oh, I won't ask my best friend about it. And that's like, it's not personal. It, it doesn't mean that I don't trust my best friend less because I didn't ask him for an advice. It's yeah. just that would that friend be well suited for the topic I need an advice on? 
Yeah. And I would be completely comfortable if it was reverse that, you know, there is a topic I have like no knowledge about it <laughs> and and somebody super important to me doesn't ask me uh, like about it I would be completely fine with that yeah it you're giving me flashbacks to this time that one of my close friends was getting dating advice from another one of my friends who his romantic life is kind of a mess and always crazy and always like mm-hmm. all over the place and he uh was giving my friend advice and i think he said like like you have to play games you have to like keep this person always on their toes always guessing and once that friend left i went up to my friend i said please do not take anything that he said (laughs) at all just whatever he said (laughs) take it out of your brain and throw it away nobody wants to be treated like that don't do this please (laughs) i swear to god (laughs) yeah yeah but it's at the end of the day um you know it's it's your life it's your journey and it's it's you so yeah so you know you, you um i think it's important to not um like to not give the full responsibility for it to to other people because it just you know they're not you and um and you know, like if you if you approach it with with the bad attitude, you may end up like blaming somebody yeah. for your own decisions, honestly. Um, so again, coming back to <laughs> having the sweet spot <laughs> in the middle, um, like yeah, I I generally I, I believe in having sweet spots in the middle, um, and just generally, you know, having balance in everything you do i think it's it's healthy um but yeah i may not be super good at it but at least that's the that's the direction <laughs> so you know sometimes it's good sometimes it's bad it's just i think it's just normal um so again like it's normal probably to ask for for advice but you shouldn't probably also depend too much on it at least that's how i see it and since we're talking about like like your own life and your own path and everything like that where you're sitting right now in like the next year or so what what kind of things are are you hoping for or things that you're excited about for when you can listen mm-hmm. back on this and and look back on it in a year <laughs> okay um hmm I hope that um, I hope that I will be um, less demanding of myself mm. in different areas, um, and you know, I, I I hope that I will be adding kind of you know less less pressure on me in terms of you know, like work ambitions, because I always have the backlog of things to do. Oh, I need to learn this. I need to learn that. And usually um, I don't give myself like um, too much space and time to to do this because, you know, again, coming back to how fast IT runs, uh, it's, it feels like 
it feels like you're um, you're missing out a bit. So if something comes out, you you have this urge to do it quickly, not to just do it, but to do it quickly, because IT runs and you know you don't have much time, <laughs> and then you you stress about it. Um, and, that's true. <laughs> yeah, and that's true. And if you're and if you're uh, over ambitious, as I was in <laughs> my whole life. Uh, it's harder and it's, it's hard, um, like daily. So, so yeah, I think that the first thing would be to be less demanding from myself. Um, the second thing would be, uh, I would love to be, so I would love to feel, um, in the new place that it's, it's not completely new, so so some again somewhere in the middle, um, so that you know you, you can say I'm not saying that I want to feel like Ireland is um, is my home now because it it will be probably impossible a year from now, but it's not like this is still like the foreign place you know, so so to feel like. At some part of it to be like home, like at home would be would be great, um, and just yeah, generally be more, you know, more easygoing, more relaxed, more um, <laughs> more willing to accept the place you're in at the moment. Um, and I think sometimes, again, like if you don't have much balance, I, I like consistently I find that. In my case, if I if I have these overworking periods in my life that I I really know I'm pushing it, mm. then it ultimately like all all the little you know like problems they come to the surface just because you know the like the work life balance becomes unbalanced. So then uh, you know I keep overthinking about stuff I feel again like too much pressure on myself and it just one problem creates many other problems um, mm -hmm. and I think that generally in life if one of the areas is really unbalanced then it will unbalance other things uh, so so yeah I would just I would just love to not be too attached to uh, to to where I am or to what I want to do. I I don't believe again coming back to hustle culture. Um, <laughs> I don't believe in obsessing too much on on your goals on your what you want to do. I think that if you you don't have to obsess about it because you will know what you want to do. So if you're determined, you will move towards it. And it's just important to not be um, like, like to have some activity. So to just not, you know, like sit there and think that, oh, I would love to do it, but, but A, B, C, D, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, it's important to just not, okay, so I will throw everything else now because I'm dead set and I'm doing this. So, 
I don't believe in uh, committing like 110% of yourself to doing goal X. And then once you do it, you do the same for another goal and another goal. Um, it just, it's not for me. I don't believe it's, it's a healthy thing to do. I get it's an effective thing to do. It may, <laughs> it may take you to your goal quickly, mm-hmm. but at what cost? There was a, a quote that I saw one time, uh, and I when I think of what you said about like the hundred and ten percent, hundred fifty percent, that sounds like something that's like very solo. You aren't spending time with a lot of your friends. You aren't um, like. You're, you're kind of like by yourself doing this task. Mm-hmm. And the quote that I saw was, uh, um, I think faster alone, further together. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Like it's, a, it's true that you might get to this goal faster if you do it alone, lock yourself in a room, do this 24 seven, but are you gonna get as far as if you have a balanced life and you have other people in your life and you can actually go out to an Irish pub on a Friday. <laughs> exactly. Because cafes are closed. <laughs> yeah, but Irish pubs are lovely as well. Like, uh, don't get me wrong. Um, Guinness is a lovely beer. Um, and it's it's like a... It's, it's really like the Holy Grail in Ireland. Guinness. Like, I don't... Um, I have to look up how... Um, like how much liters of Guinness is poured in Ireland every day. So, so yeah, it just, I completely agree. And again, uh, it shows that if you unbalance one area of your life, it will unbalance other areas. Yeah. I think so. And it's, I always try to ask myself when I feel like I'm pushing some again, some area, um, okay, what would happen if I did the same thing, but at a slower pace? Mm. How how would I feel about it? Okay, would it hurt so much? Would it like, and if I have like enough awareness to, to ask myself this, usually the answer is that honestly, like nothing super bad would happen. It's, it's like, Again, like if I have this course now and I don't get to it today, but I get to it in three months or in seven months, let's okay, yeah, yeah. Um, would that be that bad? Mm-hmm. Like probably not, so it's it's a you know costs versus benefits thing, and it's also it's good to think about your costs and not only in the area you're in. So if we talk about work, your costs is not only work. Mm -hmm. Your costs is your social life, is your health, is your free time, is your, I don't know, like playing drums, (laughs) you know, everything. So I think it's, it's a good thing to ask yourself, okay, is it worth it? So probably judging now, and I also, Sometimes I don't follow this and then I regret that. <laughs> so, so for example, now, like I did that website far too quickly, I would say. 
Mm -hmm. Just because I was focusing on, you know, getting it done, getting it out there. Um, and I was just, you know, and that was causing me some harm in other areas because I pushed it too hard. So, mm. yeah, but that just, that's a learning thing. And I think it's true in general that um, if you unbalance one area, it will unbalance other areas. But that unbalanced point can be different for everybody. Mm. So, and it can be different in different areas. So in social life, your unbalanced point can be in a totally different place if you're an introvert or if you're an extrovert, right? Oh, true. It can be true. totally in a different place. So again, it's all individual, but in general, I think that the rule is that, you know, unbalancing here will unbalance somewhere else. And uh, in terms of like things that are going on for you right now, if somebody's listening to this, um, are you open to projects right now? What what are you open to and looking for right now? If somebody's listening to this, that's really interesting. Okay. In you. <laughs> so um, I introduce what I call the availability tags on my website. <laughs> we'll be there. So I have the tag for um, open for projects, limited availability, not available. And on holidays with a nice palm emoji. Um, <laughs> which hopefully will appear um, there often. <laughs> um, but yeah, so right now it will be limited availability. Okay, gotcha. Um, and it will be live. Uh, so the site will be live in June, I can say this. Gotcha. I won't say which June, which, <laughs> which, which day. Coming back to not setting myself dates because here yeah. I, can, um, I can be flexible because you know i'm not my own client so i don't need to give <laughs> give it a hard deadline but it will be in june perfect what we just did two hours by the way no <laughs> time flies with you always <laughs> and and you know the, the way that i bookend the the podcast is reintroducing myself and saying where people can find me and then i'll throw the same back to you and then we'll wrap up and then probably chat a little bit after recording <laughs> sure sounds good <laughs> all right so um hi everybody again <laughs> my name is emily giordano and i'm a, a, a webflow developer ux designer and i'm trying to solidify the the copywriting role as well um and if you want to chat with me or hang out or do a project together or anything like that uh i i'm around and you can <laughs> Uh, email me at uh, emily, E-M-I-L-Y, at greatdesignlead.com. Greatdesignlead.com is my website, and greatdesignlead is my username on any social media. If you don't see it pop up, then I'm not on that app, but I'm on a couple, so you can find me somewhere. Um, and yeah, and, and that's enough about me. Oh, I also have uh, a, a second podcast called Emily's Super Secret Podcast, so you can check that out if you're interested. <laughs> And uh, and that's that's the end of me, and I'll throw it over to Ben, and then we'll head out of here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so hi, everybody, again. Um, my name is Ben Celinski. I am a Webflow developer, a UI designer, a vinyl record listener, guitar player, um, 
and uh, Irish nature lover recently. So if you <laughs> if you want to reach out to me about any of those topics, feel free to visit my um, my website at www.benzelinski.com and hit that copy to clipboard button to get my email address <laughs> because um, I think we all hate that uh, default browser emails uh, that appear that we never use and we always get angry. So uh, I have it set up for you so, so it doesn't, so it won't appear. Uh, so yeah, just shoot me an email or write to me on uh, LinkedIn or on Twitter. Uh, links will be also on the website and I'm super happy to chat about um, any of the things I mentioned. <laughs> Perfect. And I'll make sure that all those links are in the description so you can just scroll down and click and then head out. I'm also going to add a, a link to uh, the Michael O'Leary funny quotes uh, YouTube video that I found. So <laughs> if you want to get a kick out of that, I will include that in the description. <laughs> Have to check it out as well. <laughs> so this was, this was so fun. And I'm glad that last time I said goodbye until next time because that means... I can say it again and we can do this another time, maybe next year. <laughs> I'm so glad to um, to to be here again. Uh, and I will be super glad to uh, come back next year <laughs> and to uh, revisit the things that I said that I would, uh, I would love to uh, happen a year from now will be interesting. Yeah, we'll, we'll just have to come back and, and talk about it. So uh, goodbye until next time. And this was fun. <laughs>